Hi, I'm Snooty. And I'm Goon. And here's what you should have thought a long time ago. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Welcome to Snooty and Goon, the weekly podcast where we normally take a new movie release and break it down for you. Everything is usually spoiled. Spoilers typically abound. I'm your host, Alfred Snoots, and with me, as always, is G. Gordon Gunderson. Call him a goon. Only this week, we are taking a look at Anna and the Apocalypse, a 2017 horror comedy musical directed by John McPhail and starring Ella Hunt, Malcolm Cumming, and others. Still so mad that we missed this when it had its very limited theatrical run earlier this year. Holy crap, I'm not. This movie was torture. You're just dead inside. Yes, but it was still torture. Every minute of this movie was just agony. Here's an excerpt from Snooty's viewing of the movie just hours before. Around the time of the first actual zombie kill, Snooty exclaimed, It's only been half an hour! Did you actually take notes for this, like when you did your complete watch of Gem and the Holograms? No, uh, I didn't pay that close attention to this one. Uh, Going into it, I was not looking forward to it because I don't like Christmas movies. Uh, I don't like low-rent comedies, and I definitely don't like musicals. And this was all three. But you didn't say anything about not liking zombie movies. I actually don't like zombie movies either. So, yeah, that's four. Four for four. And coming out of it, uh, my biases were confirmed, which was a nice little feeling. But otherwise, no, I didn't get anything out of this one. Well, I suppose you can say that was my Easter gift to you, confirming your biases. Hooray! What about you, Goon? This was your choice, after all. Yes. And I remember way back, mid to late last year, when I first started seeing trailers for this popping up online, I was super excited. I like musicals. They're fun. Generally speaking, I like Christmas movies. Zombie movies, I'm pretty neutral towards these days, but I like it when they take something from a genre and do something crazy or weird with it, like making it a Christmas musical. Oh, I have things to say about that and themes. Oh, I'm sure you do. (laughs) But Goon, before we can start, and uh, one of us lauds this one and the other one is a piss baby who whines and cries and his name's Snooty, why don't you go ahead and give us a summary of Anna and the apocalypse? Uh, The movie opens just a couple days before everyone's favorite holiday of the year, Christmas, except for Snooty's. Arbor Day, thanks for asking. (laughs) I know that. Why do you think I get to an Arbor Day card every year? Fucking love trees. So I get to a card made out of trees every year. Thank you. Movie opens just a few days before Christmas, and our main character, Anna, played by Ella Hunt, finds herself a bit on the outs with her dad after he discovers that once her senior year of high school ends, instead of going to college, she plans to travel abroad and put college off for a while. We're then also introduced to our other main characters, Anna's best friend, John, played by Malcolm Cumming, and their other friends, Steph, Chris, and Lisa. They're around, they're there, they do stuff. Before Anna has a chance to talk with her dad and hopefully resolve things, they find themselves right dab smack in the middle of the zombie apocalypse. Anna and John learn that their school is currently considered a safe zone and that survivors should go there for evacuation, so believe that their parents are still alive and there, having attended a Christmas musical the previous night. They make their way there, along the way teaming up with Steph and Chris, as well as Anna's ex-boyfriend Nick and his idiot friends who are loving the zombie apocalypse. Because, as Anna said, they're idiots. So, of course, they're enjoying it. Some men just want to watch the world burn, Master Bruce. They begin to try to fight their way through the streets filled with zombies to make it to the school. However, along the way, Nick loses his best friends to a zombie attack in a Christmas tree warehouse. And just after they escape, when they think that they're safe, a zombie comes around the corner and bites John. 
It's there that things go from sort of mostly upbeat, whimsical musical to, oh, people are dying left and right. John sacrifices himself to save Anna and his friends, and the rest are able to make it to the school where they find that their new headmaster, Arthur Savage, played by Paul Kay, has gone bat guano insane in the zombie apocalypse and locks them in a room full of zombies. They manage to fight their way out. Steph is able to retrieve her car keys taken by Savage earlier in the movie, but not before Chris and his girlfriend Lisa, who was hiding at the school, are both bitten and opt to stay behind. Anna is able to fight her way through the zombies, find her dad, defeat her evil headmaster, but in the process her dad is also bit and tells her to go on without him. The movie closes out with Anna, Nick, and Steph climbing into her car and driving away towards an unknown future. The bleak and uncertain ending being the only good part of this movie. Well, it's no wonder that none of these kids are happy in high school. I mean, they're all late 20-somethings. They've been there for 10 years too long, so why would they even still want to be going to high school? Or why should they be going to high school? Very bad grades. <laughs> they kept failing. Uh, okay, I don't know how the British school system works, okay? Nobody does. You know, you get sorted by the hat, and then you're in some house in school for seven, eight years, and then you just go off and be a wizard, and that, I think that's how the school system works. That seems like a really poor school system, I gotta be honest. It is, and the teachers keep trying to kill you for some reason, as also evidence in this movie. Yeah. But in all seriousness, I was unimpressed with the musical aspect of this film. The songs were fairly perfunctory. They were well-performed, but the material as written wasn't all that evocative, wasn't all that engaging. And the choreography was honest. It honestly felt like a, like a high school stage musical, the way that it was framed. These were clearly actors who could sing and were asked to dance. Well, I honestly didn't expect you to really get a whole lot out of the musical part of this movie just because sure. we all know you don't like musicals, but... Boy, don't I. But there was no part of all, all of that that you got even a little bit of you know enjoyment out of. Not, I'm, I'm critiquing this in terms of its quality as what it is. And mm. I'm saying that in terms of the musical aspect, that really wasn't that impressive. Mm. Uh, if this had been a zombie Christmas comedy horror, I think that it would have been fine. But making it a musical just felt like it was taking it one step too far in terms of ambition. It didn't have what it needed to pull off everything. But I'll talk more about that in themes. I actually really liked uh, the songs for this. I'm not going to say that they were something amazing or groundbreaking, mm -hmm. but given what I honestly kind of thought one of the themes of the movie was supposed to be, the whole uncertainty of growing up and life past high school, I felt the songs kind of fit into that. Mm -hmm. And so preview of what Goons going to be talking about in themes. And just I'll admit, I did love um, the song where it's, Anna wakes up and is singing and dancing down the street as the zombie attacks are happening all around her. She just doesn't notice them. That was a mildly clever bit of framing, and it would have been much more clever if they hadn't cribbed it directly from Shaun of the Dead. Okay, yeah, I'll give you that. This movie definitely does not hide where it's drawing some of its inspiration from. Inspiration, outright theft, tomato, potato. I don't think I would say outright theft. <laughs> Fair enough. That, that's going a little too far. Not that far. You know what, Goon? I, I'm just going to be dumping on this film. Why don't you take the lead on this? Talk about why you love this film. All right. Well, putting aside my general enjoyment of musicals from being from a big theater family, as I've said before in previous reviews, I always love it when someone takes a movie from a certain from a certain genre and sort of changes things up a bit, tries to do something new or put a unique spin on it. That's why I've always kind of enjoyed the horror comedy mm -hmm. genre, because it's taking two things that don't really go together and then finding a way to make them fit together. Sometimes it works really well, like the person mentioned, Shaun of the Dead. 
Sometimes it works terribly. Like nothing immediately springs to mind because probably because I've blocked most of those out. Well, if you want to work within the same genre neighborhood, you could point out World War Z, which is a globetrotting adventure movie that also happens to be about a zombie apocalypse. Oh uh, yes, and good lord, was that a bad movie? It was a terrible movie. Although I heard the new video game based off was actually pretty fun. Wouldn't Dead Rising already be basically a World War Z video game? Kind of, yeah, but this one's like officially licensed one. Oh, good. So much that even, yeah, points to the game where the zombies make like the, the zombie pyramid to climb to upper levels of stuff. But yeah, we're getting off topic here. So yeah, and I'm not going to say that Anime Apocalypse is like the perfect example of that mixing of genres, mm -hmm. but I give it points for trying to do something new by working in a Christmas musical aspect to it too. It might not work amazingly well, but at least they're trying to do something new and I can always respect when they do that. Mm -hmm. And also, as I said before in previous reviews, I always kind of like checking out those movies geared towards like the high school students to see how they're retelling the stories that I watched when I was that age. And generally speaking, you don't get too much creativity with that, but it is kind of always fun to put a new spin on it. See how it you know, appeals to the new to the next generation. And this one I think did that. We had one of the songs about uh, making an actual human connection mm -hmm. instead of everything being through phones and computers and such. And they crack jokes about the you know hashtag evac selfie see them scrolling through twitter or whatever look at people have taken pictures of themselves being evac standing right next to like caged off zombies and yeah anna was right our species deserves to go extinct for shit like that the selfie joke was particularly funny but i find that criticizing the millennial and post-millennial generations for being so obsessed with a revolutionary means of communication is a little it it itself is old-fashioned and kind of trite. Look at these kids on their phones, grr. Mm. Would have been like uh, Gutenberg complaining about uh, newspapers coming out. Look at these kids, and they're not even working with movable, type, uh, movable uh, typesetting anymore. Those darn kids printing out pages left and right. And another thing that I really liked about this that I didn't really notice until the end of the movie was, to be honest, the character John Anna's best friend getting bit at the end of Act 2 I didn't see that coming. I remember when I first sat down to watch the movie several months ago, I was like, the, okay, beginning of the movie, I'd say there's a 50-50 chance he'll, he'll probably die in the final moments of the movie, possibly after finally confessing his love to his best friend and her maybe or maybe not reciprocating it. But instead of you hold him just being randomly bitten at the end of Act 2, which then, after the movie then takes a dramatically darker turn, I actually kind of liked. And it got me thinking more. And then flashing back to the second song of the movie where they where the refrain being, there's no such thing as a Hollywood ending. I thought it was kind of neat that this movie basically tells you straight off the bat without you realizing it that there really won't be a happy ending to this movie. Because generally speaking, when you think Christmas musical, you think happy ending. Mm -hmm. So I like that they didn't do that. That in the end, a lot of them died and you're left with this very uncertain future of, well, Anna and her surviving friends. Well, they find somewhere safe. Are they the only humans left? I mean, probably not. America's chocked full of guns. We're ready for the zombie apocalypse, let's be honest. Nobody's ready for the zombie apocalypse. That, that's actually a huge problem with zombie apocalypse media is that it's never terribly interested in the fall of mankind. They just want to hurry to after the fall. Yeah. Really, the most interesting thing that most zombie stories can think to tell is in the minutes after the collapse of civilization. That's why the only real zombie media I've ever connected with was Max Brooks' World War Z, because it explored the subsequent fall and reassembly of civilization, the way that a global civilization would actually react to 
a zombie apocalypse and how it would counteract it and actually maintain a sense of infrastructure and society. Because invariably, zombie media is only interested in watching a handful of survivors run through a wasteland that used to be civilization. And it's, it's the same beats over and over again. The only emotional beat that zombie media ever seems interested in touching upon is, look, someone a character cares about got bit and they have to say goodbye. Or they see someone they used to care about be turned into a zombie and now they have to deal with that emotional fallout. That, that is the one emotional beat. That's it. Them watching the, uh, the rockets falling from the sky was the closest I think this movie came to trying to stretch beyond that limitation, but it really, that's just the same emotional beat on a grander scale. That That is the only thing that zombie media, with the exception of World War Z, the book, wants to explore. And that's why I find it kind of tedious. I will agree with you for the most part. There's one I would disagree with, and that being that World War Z is the only one that doesn't do that, because mm -hmm. there is another book trilogy called, the, I think it's called the Dead Air Trilogy, where it's Life in America post the zombie apocalypse okay. where zombies rose up and no, many still there. And it, one of the things that goes about is how cities now exist when zombies are still roaming around. And I'd, I'd recommend giving them a check out. They're actually a pretty interesting book trilogy. You know what? That's fair. I, I should amend my statement to saying the only media that I've encountered thus far. Well, no, otherwise filling the movie with songs doesn't make me connect to this one emotional beat anymore. And to be honest, the lead up to that just felt endless. I wasn't kidding when I was surprised that only half an hour had transpired during the setup. I, it felt like an hour and a half. I didn't really get that. I mean, I'll agree with you that this movie doesn't try to do anything new with the genre. Didn't I, try to do anything new with the genre apart from incorporating the musical aspect. But I still enjoyed the story as it kind of being a metaphor for growing up i actually want you to disagree with me i know you felt completely different than i did about this film and i'm actively interested to see you disagreeing with me and and talk and and like countering the points that i'm bringing up because i know that this movie didn't connect with me in the way that it, it was intended to connect with people clearly it connected with you in that way so yeah. rather than rather than like accepting my opinions i want you to push back because i know you don't share them I don't share them. I understand where your critiques are coming from. Mm -hmm. And I suppose if I'm going to dig a little bit deeper, I'll say that, um, yes, on some level, I do agree with you that most zombie media is very limited in what it tells. But in certain situations, I feel like they can use that to their advantage because End of the Apocalypse isn't primarily a zombie movie. It's a movie about growing up and the uncertainty of life after high school that so many kids deal with. They're just framing that in a, the world is ending zombies. Okay. And Let's be honest, how many kids out there were, when their life in high school is coming to an end, have that feeling of the, oh God, my world is coming to an end? Only the popular ones. Okay, true, I'll give you that. <laughs> I recall my, my feelings where finally my life can begin. I actually admit there are sometimes when I miss high school just because life was so much simpler for me back then. That's true, the simplicity was nice. Yeah. I do want to note that where the movie, I think, shines is where it makes maximum use out of its minuscule budget. And I do appreciate that on a few occasions, it did work to get creative with the zombie kills. Yeah, I actually really appreciated the uh, the first zombie kill where Anna uses the uh, mm -hmm. uh, the seesaw to basically decapitate it. 
Or the scene where uh, Nick and his idiot friends use their random implements of assorted stuff to kill zombies, like the one guy who takes the two watermelons and bashes a zombie's head in. I was disappointed that they didn't take their supplies with them. All of that toilet paper would oh, be God, worth, yeah. No, yeah. would be better than money in the apocalypse. That is money. Well, that was not the you know only poor choice those characters made in the made in the movie. Let's be honest. Very true. That's another reason that uh, I get frustrated with a lot of apocalyptic media is that the plot only moves forward by characters making bad choices. Thankfully, since our protagonists were supposed to be teenagers, making bad choices is what they're all about. Yeah. So running blindly through a darkened Christmas tree store with nothing but blind spots and places for the dead to hide would obviously make sense. How much time could it honestly save cutting through that store instead of just going around the block? Yeah. Or, you know, there's a bunch of cars there. I mean, couldn't they have just, you know, broken in, tried to hotwire one of those? I understand that hotwiring car isn't something super simple, but I feel if you... With enough time, you could probably figure out how to do it. Uh, the smarter thing to do would be to check dead bodies for key fobs. And or then that too, yeah. Set off a car alarm, find one that works, and then drive away before the horde comes for you. Yeah, that works too. Or use the car alarms to uh, redirect the horde. See, this is what I'm talking about. Yeah. <laughs> this is the only thing that zombie media is interested in. I've seen a thousand times. How do people react in the opening minutes of the zombie apocalypse? Uh, longer form media has a better chance of telling more interesting stories. Like The Walking Dead was supposed to be. Yeah, I gave up on that after about three episodes when I started rooting for the zombies to win. <laughs> uh, and of course, the core theme of uh, zombie media always has to be the real monster is man, as evidenced by the villain. You know, why don't we get into characters? Okay. Uh, why don't we start with the one that I liked the most and the least, and that was Paul Kay as Arthur Savage. Yeah. He was delightful at times. I, I appreciate that he he went mad during the apocalypse. That's fine. How is how is he able to overpower a room full of adults? Yeah, that I don't know. Well, I'll, I'll this movie is not perfect. It has some flaws here and there. But Savage was a character I actually did like because from the get go, like the okay, yeah, he's the one that's gonna go crazy when become some weird maniacal villain when the movie ends. and But then you kind of had the point where he's doing his best to try and keep order and keep people calm. Like, okay, are, is this maybe going to be like a fake out where you think he's not going to go crazy? Where you think he's going to go crazy, but he doesn't end up. He just, he went crazy. But I still enjoyed it because Paul K just chewed the scenery so well being this, you know, broken, crazed villain. It looked like he was having his musical number where it's basically insulting the kids. It looked like he was having so much fun with that. It was hard not to just appreciate the energy he put into it. And that was one of the better and more well-crafted musical sequences. Mm -hmm. I, I did like him uh, kicking and, and, and storming through uh, his school. Yeah. Uh, I particularly like the shot where the kids come in and find him eating his Christmas dinner. That yeah. that was uh, remarkably sinister for a very simple shot. Yeah, it's like the, oh, he's he's gone full crazy. The lighting and the framing was excellent there. For a second, I thought they were going to feel that like he was eating a person. I really hoped it was. I, yeah. I was rooting for it to be people. I'm like, please be eating people. Uh, but of course, uh, he's not the star of the movie. That would be Ella Hunt as uh, Anna a lost teenager who's at a crossroads in her life and is trying to find her own direction while she's being pulled in one direction by her best friend and another by her father and yet another by her dreams. And she has an absent mother. That's new. I think it's less absent mother. Her mom's dead. Kind of, that's, that's at least the implication that I got. That's what absent... <laughs> See, this is why I like these, these movies. It makes it so much easier to poke you. So yeah, she sure was a protagonist, and she sure did sing about being a protagonist. Yeah, no, I'll agree. Anna was not the most original character out there, but I still enjoyed her for the most part. 
she was a fairly clever and did and kept her head about her. Like the biggest dumb decision she made was when her was when they went through the Christmas tree door. And at least on some of you can understand why, where it's brought up like the you know this will save us time if we go through here we can get to the school before dark. I'm like okay yeah it's still a stupid choice but at least there is some rationale behind why she's making it because up until then she'd been a pretty intelligent person mm-hmm. and i actually appreciated that uh yeah she, i i kind of just found her to be this tedious blank slate that the audience was meant to project themselves onto uh, and the fact that she was the one making more rational decisions only helps in that it makes it tacitly makes the audience feel cleverer for associating themselves with Anna in this case. It's like, that's what I would do if it was, it was the apocalypse. So I guess that, that's a, a good bit of writing there. But oh, the the other, uh, the ablative teenagers around her were just so tedious. Yeah, I'll admit where that is one of the parts of this movie falls short. We're just- um, I'm getting old. I hate watching movie teenagers. I didn't hate them as much as you did, but I'll admit that there wasn't too much unique about them, save maybe one or two bits that I kind of appreciated. Uh, Anna's best friend, John, was just the stereotypical high school best, you know, high school guy in love with his best friend, but too afraid to tell her sort like of Like she didn't know. Yeah. Well, no, she did know, and I appreciated when she, and I actually kind of liked that she, like, shot that down when she says, like, you're my best friend. Mm-hmm. And, you know, to his credit, he, he, took it pretty, he took it like a champ. And then he got bit by a zombie. Always check your corners in the apocalypse. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I did like that he, he didn't necessarily die by sacrifice. Well, he did technically die by sacrificing himself. But mm. in reality, he was dead the moment he got bit. And he yeah. got bit by being a dumbass. Yeah. But I still like the part where like, the, he grabs her and uses himself as a shield to save his friend. And who the fuck doesn't remember Santa's reindeer? I have no idea. That's... What the fuck was that about? That's something in Christmas movies that's always kind of irked me, that you don't remember Santa's reindeer. I mean, there's a whole, one of the most popular Christmas carols opens with naming them all. Sarah Swire as um, socially conscious teenager was, I guess, mildly more tolerable because she was the kind of annoying that I empathized most with when I was an annoying teenager. And the token American character. And the token American character, yeah. Because apparently every, every movie needs a token American character. It's true. I feel kind of bad for her. I mean, what kind of parents on Christmas fly off to Mexico and leave their kid behind by themselves? Awesome ones. Arriba. Yeah, you know, this is why there's that petition going around to prevent you from ever having children. <laughs> yes. Paper is what we need to stop that from happening. Not my face personality or general disposition. Yeah, I'll bet that is helping the cause. <laughs> Yeah, she she caught kind of a raw deal. She I think she would have been a much better protagonist, but that's just me. She's the one I empathize more with. I kind of agree with you there. Yeah, the movie had followed her. It could have been a bit more interesting, especially when they mentioned that um, uh, her and their friend Chris were against their zombies when they were out there at a homeless shelter trying to get footage for her school news report. Seeing something like that where this social issue that she cares heavily about seeing that sort of be where the zombie uprising happens how that affects her could have been interesting to see Mm -hmm. you know honestly if there was one point in the movie that actually tugged at my little dead heartstrings it was the tragic romance that was and could never be and uh, of course that's uh my fan wee morgan and john mcgeechee as penguin student one and penguin student two (laughs) 
You know, I'm bummed whenever we didn't get to see them as zombies. I really No, we am. did. We did? Yes, they were out front in the school eating someone together in I their must, penguin suits. I must have missed that. It, no, that was that. hysterical. It actually made me think of a better movie. In, I, I did what you do. I, I invented a better oh. movie in my head where instead of on Christmas, the zombie apocalypse happens on Halloween, which means you would have all of these monsters running around dressed as other monsters and other characters. That would be amazing. I could totally get behind that, actually. Yeah, that'd be a lot of fun. Um, but no, yeah, I, I particularly laughed when their song was reprised during the credits. That, that was, was the, that was the first song that came back during the, uh, the when the credits started to roll. My favorite fit. Is fish, mother flipper, and I eat it for the. Oh, it was terrible. Uh, but no, like the actual pair of lovers in the movie was just bleh. Lisa and Chris, played by Marley Sue and Christopher Laveau. Yep, and they, they got the reprise of No Such Thing as a Hollywood Ending. Hooray. Do you get it? Do you get Actually, it? Actually, the reprise sort of just played at the end as Anna and her friends were driving out of town. Oh, no, maybe it was, uh, I think they used the melody for when those two were bit and hugging goodbye. They might have. Yeah, I know we had the shot of them just as sort of zombies walking around together when mm. Anna was singing the uh, closing number right, of the right. movie. Uh, all right, so are we ready for themes? I believe so, yes. Take it away, Goon. Like I said before, the big theme that stuck out to me in this movie was that it is one of those you know teen movies where the metaphor is high school's ending, the world that we know is coming to an end, what happens mm. afterwards? And it's one of those where I thought it was kind of Interesting where um, well, the different characters kind of fall into the archetype of what you see happen to high school students after high school in one way or another. Mm. Anna was the one who wanted to get out of town, get away, see the world. And in the end, as far as we know, she does that. Our closing shot is her driving away from town. Her best friend, John, was, I'm hesitant to say this, but kind of the sad sack character he, he was directionless he didn't really know what he wanted to do or where he wanted to go yeah and his end result was being left alone in town i mean yes as a zombie and finding some small pleasure in the simple thing of turning on his light up christmas sweater but yeah he is the guy who again like has no direction just ends up hanging around their hometown never amounting to much of anything or if you will he couldn't make a decision so he was pulled in any number of directions <laughs> they tore him apart and ate him yeah then you had the two uh high school sweethearts who will in a sense be together forever or for the rest of their lives yeah for the or the rest of their unlives this by have that by them just being trapped in this room together admittedly yes with other zombies but again not a perfect metaphor here things break down if you think too hard about it sure and I'm not entirely certain how the character Steph kind of falls into this metaphor, but uh, Nick, the uh, Anna's ex, sort of the asshole jerk guy, was, we learned, basically the high school popular guy, or maybe idiot jock, who, you know, grows beyond that and becomes a better person, leaving behind his past, i.e. his dead, zombified asshole friends. I don't know. It almost feels like, in his case, the world grows to match what kind of person he is. Sort of an aggressive alpha male type who uh, enjoys physical violence and uh, really only cares about himself. The, the zombie apocalypse is a place where he can truly thrive. That, that is another good reading, too. But, you know, my comes from that we did see moments of more deeper emotion from him. Like, we saw sorrow over the loss of his friends, however brief. And we got to see just how emotionally wrecked he was trying to kill his zombified dad. Mm -hmm. So much so that after Anna's dad got bit, he told her not to kill him before he turned. Because 
he knew how much that would fuck with her because it was what happened to him. Yeah, it felt a little forced, particularly in that all of his emotional beats were off screen and he just talked about them. But yeah. I see where you're coming from. Yeah. So I kind of like that about this movie, that what I thought when I first went to see it was just going to be a zombie comedy with music actually did have some darker moments and did have some interesting ideas behind it for the characters. Mm-hmm. A lot of my problem lies in the attempt to incorporate the language of the theatrical musical into what is already a very complex mesh of themes and genre in this film. It it starts out as a zombie horror comedy and then attempts to incorporate aspects of a musical into that. And the problem therein is that that many genres just don't layer together very well. Uh, and, and particularly, you can see that in the way that it tries to be a musical on top of everything else. And this isn't just me hating musicals. Uh, I, I noticed something, uh, the, the huge key problem. Most of this movie's foundation can be cribbed almost wholesale from uh, Shaun of the Dead. Most of its beats are the same, from them going to a familiar, uh, a familiar mundane recreational location to hole up in... in Shot of the Dead, it was the pub, and in this movie, it was the bowling alley. The repeated point of being forced to kill friends and family members and looking sadly as they were either zombified or their heads were caved in. But the key to a musical, and I'm taking actually a lot from our from our episode with your sister, Empress Gunita, from um, Mamma Mia, Here We Go Again. Uh, the look it, of pain on your face as you said the title of that movie. Yeah, it, it hurts. It still hurts. The key feature of a musical is that the musical aspect is supposed to be emotive. It's supposed to it, it's supposed to speak to a core emotion of a character to the point where they can't help but sing it. They can't help but sing what they're feeling. The problem is, in a zombie movie, the characters are inherently ablative and temporary we the audience know that any and possibly all of them are going to be dead before the end of the film and with such a short film with a 90 minute runtime there's not a lot of time to get to know these characters there's not a lot of time to invest in them and so the emotions that they're singing about just feel like so much ephemeral filler it's something you can't care about because you know that most of these kids are going to die. So their personal problems aren't going to receive any kind of catharsis. You're expecting this supposed ironic tragedy in that all of these kids' hopes and dreams are going to be snuffed out. But you know it's going to happen. You know it has to happen because of the genre of zombie apocalypse. So it just feels as though the musical aspect is spinning its wheels. It becomes this chore that you have to sit through knowing that none of it's going to matter, which I thought the movie could have played with it if it, if it had made more songs about actually fighting in the zombie apocalypse. I appreciated, like, say, the song of uh, the Four Ruffians reveling in the, in the apocalypse. That actually that felt like a good use of song. That yeah. was them adjusting to their new circumstances. But so many of the songs were just characters singing about how they felt during the zombie apocalypse, and that was much less interesting. That that felt like a major issue in the foundation of this film that I couldn't just get around. Yeah, I will agree with you on that. I did. I honestly did really like the songs in this movie. Mm-hmm. I, after the first time I watched it, I immediately bought the soundtrack for it. But one of the complaints I did have when I first watched was that, yeah, the songs could have been better incorporated into the what was actually happening. I would have loved to see like a song where like the choreo- choreography of it was 
killing zombies as they were singing. We mm-hmm. kind of got that in the song that Anna and the headmaster sang at the end. Kind of. Kind of. During, during the, the greatest monster is man moment. Yeah. But again, I'm speaking from a place of extreme bias. I hated this film. I hated the very perfunctory, simple, high school level choreography. I hated the the bland, banal songs. I I hate, I hate, I hate, I hate, I hate. That's fair. <laughs> I was reading myself online about this. And one of the re- reviews I read for it basically said out that if you don't go in it in this movie intrigued by the idea of a zombie musical, mm-hmm. it's, this movie is not going to be for you. Yep. And I think you're a prime example of that being true. Fair enough. Uh, so then why don't we boil it down to the highs and lows? Goon, what was the high point for you? It's one of those where I think I got to go with um, the song where uh, Anna's just, Anna and John are singing going to the street as the zombie attacks are happening mm-hmm. around them. I just found it hilarious that the only reason she didn't notice it is because she had her headphones. And like, that is such a teenager thing to happen where you would not notice the end of the world because you're too busy with your headphones. That was particularly cute. And again, cribbed wholesale from Shaun of the Dead, but I thought they put a good teenage twist on it with the use of headphones. Yeah. Uh, for me, the high point was probably the initial fight in the bowling alley. I thought that's where the zombie kills got most creative. I particularly liked the dual bowling balls to the sides of the head. Yeah, uh, I really like the one where um, they tripped the zombie up with the bowling pin and the pin reclaimer <laughs> decapitated it. That was good. Yeah. That was that was a fun scene, yeah. And uh, what was the low point for you? Um, I got to go with the sort of underdeveloped side characters. Um, one of the things that really stuck out to me was uh, in the first song, you have the brief cutaway where the character Chris, the the wannabe filmmaker, mm-hmm. is showing his you know, demo reel to the teacher who basically says that, you know, you're talented, but they're supposed to say how you want to view the world. Mm-hmm. So it's like the so I was hoping we'd get a bit more of that, him sort of thinking about that as he's recording all this zombie footage. And we don't. Instead, just at the end, we get this sort of lip service thing where he plugs his phone into the TV to distract the zombie so the friend can escape. And it's a video reel of him and his friends having fun. Mm-hmm. So it's basically like the, oh, so his that's his new show. That's how he wants the world to be. Him and his friends having fun again. Like, it'd be kind of nice if we saw him thinking and struggling with that a bit more instead of being just obsessed with recording everything that was happening. A teenage filmmaker who thinks that his interactions with his friends are the most profound thing he can say with his craft. Well, you know, when the world's ending and everyone's dying, that's not a bad thing to... I suppose all great art requires context. Yeah. Um, God, the low point for me... Um, uh, I guess I'll go with the cafeteria musical number. That just, oh yeah. my God. I, I know it was setting up all of the emotional beats for the movie, but since the emotional beats, particularly those expressed via music, were the ones I, I enjoyed the least, that song was interminable. Just the the dancing in the cafeteria. Just, mm. No. Okay, so uh, we've survived the zombie apocalypse. We have to rebuild society. How many thumbs are we going to use to do it? As I, really, as I really love this movie, I am going to go one thumb mm-hmm. on it because it's one of those where if you don't go in wanting wanting to like it or being interested by the idea of it, it's not going to be the movie for you. However, if the idea of a Scottish zombie Christmas musical appeals to you, you're probably going to love this movie. I'm only going to give it half a thumb. I just I don't think it's very well put together, and I have some key problems with the foundation of it. I just I, I think that it's. Too, it's wearing too many hats, and it's not doing any of them enough justice. That is an aggregate one and a half out of four thumbs from Snooty and Goon. Uh, Bagoon, how about some trailer talk? Uh, well, retroview, I've got nothing, and I haven't seen anything new online pop up. I, I, I think some new stuff dropped. I, I haven't seen any of it, though. We'll have to sip it for next week. 
So then what are we seeing next week? Well, I believe it's your week to pick. It is my week to pick. And I think we're going to go with another retro review, and we're going to do uh, 2004's Ang Lee's Hulk. Really? No, we're going to go see Avengers Endgame. There you go. (laughs) We'll be good. It should be fun. I'm looking forward to it. You know, Endgame's going to be a big movie. Uh, Are we prepared to handle it with just ourselves? Maybe not. I guess we better do something big to rise to the occasion. Yeah, I... Uh, no matter what it takes. I'll, I'll put out some calls, see who we can get. Put that signal in the sky. It's time to assemble the Justice League. Wrong, wrong universe. Damn it. Oh, but Superman's so good at killing people. Uh, so join us next week for Avengers Endgame, the movie that everyone and their mother is going to see and then review. I don't know I don't know if my mother's going to see it or not. She will, and then she'll review it. Yeah, probably. But until we go looking for that gem... I've been Snooty. I'm the Goon. And that's what you should have thought. Thanks for listening to Snooty and Goon. If you liked what you heard, you can rate and review us on iTunes. You can also subscribe to us on iTunes and SoundCloud. For more great episodes, visit snootyandgoon.com.